Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? I hope we have some tired people here this morning. Because that's what my sermon covers. That's a good thing. We have any tired people this morning? Don't give yourself away too much. All right. Awesome. Good. We're in the right place then. <laughs> if you're not tired yet, then uh, I'm getting ready to preach. I'll, I'll put you to sleep. All right. Hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The title of my message is Charging Up. Charging Up. Praise the Lord. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus. So I want you to picture this scene here. They're all gathering around him. Team huddle, right? And they were reporting to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. How many have ever been that busy? Uh, this is the height of ministry here. They're really excited because they've done something great and they're talking about all the things they've done, all the things they've taught. Everybody's coming around. Everybody wants this. There's just an excitement. Everybody's everywhere. And they're so caught up in it that they didn't even have time to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And this morning, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would allow you to see Jesus uh, telling that to you personally this morning. Because he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. How many need that? And this morning, we're going to talk about that. Seeing Jesus say, come with me by yourself and get some rest. Isn't it awesome that Jesus said that? That's amazing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, love you so much, Lord. And um, Lord, I just pray your anointing upon your word, Lord. Um, Lord, I have learned that the word has nothing to do with me. Lord, I'm just a deliverer of a letter from you to them, Lord. And um, so I pray that they would see it that way, that I'm just a messenger of uh, your message to them, Lord. And I pray that their eyes would see it and their hearts would understand it. And, and Lord, they would live it out in their own lives, Lord. And I pray all these things in your name that I represent, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The message is entitled, Charging Up. Uh, let me read this chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Let me read in a few other translations. I like to do that because I don't want to... The other translations, to be honest, when I read like five or ten different translations of a verse, they all have a different angle on it, and so it makes me dig deeper. And I'll see how one translated it compared to how another translated it. I'll say, well, that's interesting. Why did that one translate it that way? Why did the other one do it the other way? And what you find out is the Greek word... Um, will bring out a different flavor a lot of times than what our English words are. And so you'll see that when you see different translations. Well, New Living Translation, which is more of a, um, a uh, what you call it, a, um, I forget the word now. 
It's not a literal translation. Paraphrase, there we go. It's a paraphrase. And just uh, in modern English, it says, Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. How many would like to hear Jesus say that? Hey, think about your most stressful time of the day. And you and your spirit can hear Jesus and see Jesus saying, Hey, come here. Puts his arm around you and you're stressed. You're full of anxiety. The day's not going very well. And he puts his arm around you and he says, Hey, let's go by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. How many think that is an awesome thing for Jesus to be able to get a soul to do that? And it's not easy. You think, well, that's easy. That's not the easiest thing in the world in our society to do. Go be with Jesus for a little while. Um, English Standard Version says, He said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. See, I don't like that one as much. You know, a lot of it's in translation. They say desolate because that means a place that's quiet, secret, away. But desolate sounds to me like it's been destroyed by something, right? King James, and he said to them, come ye yourself apart into a desert place and rest a while. That does, I don't like that one as much either. And you say, well, that's King James, man. That's the authorized. But that sounds to me like when Jesus walks to me, he speaks in King James English and he's taking me to the desert. <laughs> okay. So that's why, but I like the, here's the uh, new King James, come aside by yourself to a deserted place. And rest a while. So they take the desert and put deserted. I like the, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. I like that. Hallelujah. So I'm going to go with that. Try to picture Jesus saying that. And um, on my watch, I have a Garmin watch. And uh, how many have one of these watches that monitors everything you do? And uh, if you're sitting around too long, it says, hey, get up and move. And I'm like, how dare you tell me to get up and move, right? Uh, well, it's got a really interesting thing on it. It's got a thing called a body battery. How many, how many have a watch that has something called a body battery on it? And so what it tells you is it gives you a number between one and a hundred percent of where your body battery is at. Like how charged up are you as, as your body? So I, I'd seen that on there. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, that, that's, they can't know that. You know, there's no way they can know how charged up my body is. But I started looking at it and, um, after a really good rest, it's like a hundred percent. But then after a long day of work and a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, I've seen it like at five percent. And I see that five percent and you know what I say? I'm fine. I'm not, what? This watch is not smart at all, you know? And I realized that through my whole life, I pushed through that 5%. (laughs) And that 5%, I would, even looking at it on a watch, I would say, I'm not tired. Right? But how many know when your cell phone gets to 5%, what happens? I don't mind does. I'm Android though. I might be the only one. But it gets to 5% and then the lights get dim and they're warning you very quickly. And how many know that's the fastest 5% in the world? And so we all have in our mind 
the life of our battery and we're always looking for chargers because we know about when it's going to run out. And when it runs out, how many know we have no communication with the world at that point? Right? But what happens when your body has a battery and your spirit has a battery? And what happens when they get down to almost nothing and it starts shutting down? And your communication with God is being dissipated. Like I'm not connecting with God like I was before and I'm not connecting with people the way I was before and I'm not as nice as I was before. How many of you know anxiety, stress, um, not getting sleep, not eating right? A lot of those things um, can really affect you. And it would be really nice if we just had a button. And I don't want this because it's the direction everything's going. But it'd be nice to to realize and have somebody be able to tell us that hey, you're you're you need rest. You know, you're worn out. You need some rest, and you need to get away with Jesus and rest, like He's saying for us to do. How many of you know it's important if Jesus is telling His disciples to do it? He um, He spent three years training them for ministry. You say, well, they were special ministers. No, it's the example uh, for all disciples of Jesus, what He's training them to do. And so one of the things He was very aware of was, uh, you need to rest. And uh, we live in a society... It kind of is going to the other extreme now, but a society that used to be obsessed with work. How many know that? Now in some circles it's going the opposite direction where we're not obsessed with work. But uh, how many know the Bible teaches a balance here? In fact, uh, <clears throat> Proverbs twenty twenty nine says, The glory of a young person is their strength. And how many know when I was younger, how many of you ever said this, when I was younger, I had the energy to do this, I had the energy to do that, and so it's what the Bible's saying in Proverbs 20, 29 is, that's a trademark of being young that you have energy. But then Isaiah 40, 30, chapter 40, verse 30 says, even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. This is a New Living Translation of it. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Did you hear that? Even the young people become exhausted. Even the young people get so tired they want to give up. I mean, have you ever been so tired you just gave up on things? And um, so I want you to think about for a minute what the Spirit's trying to say this morning. And that is there are times you're going to get burned out in life. There are times your battery is going to be low and it's going to remain low and it's going to make you give up in a lot of ways in life if you don't learn how to rest. And he says even the young people are going to get tired and give up. So if the young people are getting tired and giving up, how much more as you get older will you need rest? And so the Bible is clearly saying that God has an ability to recharge us. Did you catch that in there? It says you will fly on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. 
And you know, this was written before Red Bull was invented. Before they could give you those wings, God was already giving you wings. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody said, man, that's, that's hard preaching. How <laughs> I many know oh, the Lord wants to recharge us? Hallelujah. So let's first look and think about the balance of our life. Because how many know that God was the one that created the rest? God was very uh, clear when he said that I worked for six days, but I took the seventh day off to rest. And so he was so clear about it. Why would do you ever think about that? Why would God create such a vast universe? Create everything on the heaven, in the heavens and the earth. Why would he stop and just make a point of saying, Hey, I'm taking the day off? Isn't that unusual? God said, I'm taking the day off. And then when he came to the law with the nation of Israel, he said, Hey, do you remember back when I created the earth and I said I took the day off? You guys need to take a day off. And that means you, anybody who is an employee, Anybody who is a child, anybody in the house, the animals, everybody needs to rest. And then he went even further. He said, I'm going to create light. I'm going to create night and day because I'm going to give you segmented times to rest. Like you're going to be able to rest every day. There's going to be a break because of the day and the night. How many know that? That God intentionally did that to give us breaks. And so there, God has built into the system rest periods. And But then he also gives us instructions. God blessed them. In Genesis one twenty eight. he says, Bless them. He said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. I mean, no, that's a lot of responsibility. So God is saying, I'm giving you a lot of responsibility. And in, I'm just talking a few, one short verse there. One short chapter, I mean. He's telling us at the same time, I'm giving you all these mechanisms so you rest correctly, but I'm also giving you a lot of work to do. So God has given us a balance in life of work hard, but rest really hard. Like really take advantage of rest. Because both are important. How many know that? In the New Testament, Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How many know that sounds like a lot of work? Go and make disciples of all the nations, that's all. Let me think that sounds like a lot of work. Making disciples of all nations. Can you actually finish a hard day's work and say, I've done it, I've accomplished it, I've made disciples of all nations? No, this is a lifetime endeavor, yet at the same time, Jesus modeled and expected us to rest. And some people don't rest very good because they're so busy with the mission. And you say, well, good, I'll abandon the mission and I'll just rest all the time. How many know that's not what God's saying? Then you say, well, I'm going to do the mission all the time and I'm never going to rest. How many know that's equally wrong? 
And some people feel guilty to rest because they're so busy on the mission. Some people are so busy resting they never do the mission. And how many know we have to have a balance in life? We have to learn how to do what God's called us to do, but we have to get a lot better at resting too. And so let me give you a little bit of a, um, some modeling of Jesus' life. How many know that three years that Jesus walked on the earth, he was modeling how he wants us to live? Okay, he's trying to show us, here's how a person bears much fruit when they abide in me. If you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit, but you've got to watch how I live my life. Now I want you to see how many times Jesus rested and went away. Okay? Because we can miss it with all the things he did in between, like Matthew 8. He cleansed the leper in Matthew 8, 1 to 4. He healed the centurion's servant in Matthew 8, 5 to 13. He did a bunch of healings at Capernaum in 14 to 17, the verses. And then after the crowds just kept coming in 18 to 22, he says this. Now, how many think we read Matthew 8 and all we notice is the healing of the leper, the centurion's servant, and the healings at Capernaum? We're all wide-eyed, and we're like, oh, I'm going to be just like him. I'm going to I'm going to see all these successful events. How many know the disciples came to him with success, and he said, let's go rest? How many know that's when you're most susceptible, when you're working hard and having some kind of a success at it? Matthew 8, he's having all kinds of success, so, so much so, crowds are coming from everywhere, right? How many can imagine that? Crowds coming from everywhere, you're the rock star of the hour. How many think you would say that's a good time to rest? I don't think a lot of people would do that. But the, if we want to model ourselves after him, look what he says. Verse 23, it says, And he got into the boat. His disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm on the sea came so that Jesus was being swamped by the, or the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was still sleeping. You believe that? Jesus had all this successful ministry. He goes away on a boat. Storm is so bad they're in fear. They can't sleep because they're in fear. But guess what Jesus is doing? He's still sleeping. Where's Jesus at? He's still sleeping. Where's he at? He's still sleeping. He has to get his nap in, right? He's still sleeping. John chapter 4. We see Jesus uh, traveling through Samaria. In chapter 4, and it says, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, but Jesus was worn out from his journey, and he sat down at the well. It was about noon. Guess what the other ones were not doing? Sitting down. (laughs) Isn't it nice to see Jesus like taking a long nap, too long of a nap? Sitting down, resting in the middle of the day, and just relaxing and talking to this person at the well. I mean, oh, the other ones would have never noticed the the woman at the well had not been for the fact that he just was relaxing in the middle of the day, right? Let me give you a few more. Mark chapter 1, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he said, come and follow me. Do you know how many times in the Bible that Jesus is walking alone? next to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You say, well, that's nothing, but how many know that Jesus took a lot of long walks? I mean, some of these walks, if you measure where he's walking, he's walking 5 to 50 miles a lot of times alone. if you look at where he was walking at the time that he did things. 
Mark chapter 135, this is a little bit later in the same chapter. It says, very early in the morning. How, how early is you think is real early for Jesus? Sounds like he's an early riser here. I don't know what time. It might have been 4 o'clock. I'd say the sun's just coming up probably. It says, very early in the morning, it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. So if we're patterning ourselves after Jesus, man, he's finding that time of the day where nobody's up, still dark, and he's just going to a quiet place. You know, how many know this is as important as his miracles, right? Uh, then it says, everyone was looking for Jesus, but after his time in prayer, he told his disciples, it's time for them to move to another village. You know, you're... Uh, secluded in a quiet place for a long time when everybody is looking for you. You know how many times in the Bible everybody's looking for Jesus and he just kind of disappeared? He's in a quiet place praying with God and spending time with God. And and uh, so he's trying to teach his disciples in the scripture, hey, come here, let's go find a place of rest. What do you think he's trying to teach them? He's trying to teach them his manner of life, right? Here it is in Luke 5.15 in Mark 1, it says, Despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And you say, oh, that's so sad. Jesus wouldn't think it was sad. Jesus went to lonely places and spent time with his father. How many think this is important stuff? You say, well, you just picked out a few. Let me give you a few more. This is in Mark chapter 2, the next chapter. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. You say, well, that's a pretty minor thing there. What is that saying? Once again, like this is his normal pattern, he's walking along the lake again, right? Can you guys picture this? How many would like to take a walk with Jesus around the lake of Sea of Galilee there? Uh, Mark chapter 2, 23, 10 10 verses later. This is just two chapters I'm covering here. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples were walking along behind him. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) He's just walking around the grain fields, you know, and his disciples are following him like, why is he walking through a grain field? (laughs) Then we go to Mark 3, the next chapter. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. So what is Jesus doing again? Withdrawing again. This is only three chapters of Mark. Mark 3 and Luke 6, it says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. Isn't that awesome? He spent all night praying and then he called his disciples. To him, they're like, well, did you get any rest? Yeah, he probably rested in God's presence and talked to God all night and probably charged his batteries up. How many think that Jesus could have done the ministry if he didn't have the wisdom to charge himself up? Hallelujah. Matthew 14. Actually, here's another one in uh, Mark 4. So I was just in Mark 3. This is Mark 4 now. Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, he told them many things in parables. 
Uh, and then it says, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solid, solitary place. Uh, Mark 6, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. Okay, that's the one I read today. Um, after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. You guys see this pattern? We will miss this because we see all the ministry stuff. Mark chapter 8, once Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? So where was that when they found him? Praying privately. Matthew 15, when Jesus went from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he went up on the mountain and sat down there. So here's Jesus walking beside the Sea of Galilee privately again. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. This is Mark 9. Led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. Then he was transfigured before them. After his brothers had gone up from the feast, then Jesus also went up, not publicly but privately. This is John 7.10. So this is Jesus walking 90 miles himself alone when he goes up to Jerusalem from uh, Galilee. Um, Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one disciple said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Where did they find him at? I don't know, solitary place again. Amazing. Again, the religious leaders, this is John 10, religious leaders in Jerusalem sought to harm or arrest Jesus, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again, walking about five miles across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing at first. There he remained and many came to him. What was he doing? Sitting alone again. What a lonely guy, huh? <laughs> Pretty amazing. Uh, Mark chapter 14. Jesus' and disciples sung a hymn, and then they went out to go to the Mount of Olives. How I many know Mount of Olives was Jesus' favorite place to go when he was in Jerusalem? He'd go up in that area there that was solitary away from the city. Um, Luke chapter 22 says, This was Jesus' usual place to pray when he was in Jerusalem. So how many know if you have a usual place, you're there very often. It's like, where's Jesus? And like, ah, we know where he's at. He's in a place where he can be, be alone and pray. Mark chapter 14, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus and his disciples, he said, sit here while I pray. So Jesus is about to go to the cross and what's he doing? Same thing he's done his whole life. He went away to a private, quiet garden to pray and he told them to wait. What did they do? They fell asleep and couldn't sit there for hardly any time. Sometimes we feel like those disciples, don't we? And my last one, John 15. Abide in me and I, as I abide in the Father and you will bear much fruit. How many know that if we pattern ourselves after Christ, uh, we will bear fruit? But if we don't have a mission and we don't know how to rest, those two things together, then how can we bear fruit like Christ does? Hallelujah. All right, some things that we need to think about when it comes to rest. How many know that we're not good at rest? Well, the first thing we need to remember is it's God's ideal, not mine. How I many make that makes you feel a little better? It's not my ideal for you to rest. It was God's ideal. God wants us to rest, and it, and it becomes a different type of um, uh, purpose to it when we know that God was the one that ordained it. God wants you to rest. You say, "Well, I don't need rest." In fact, I've argued with God over that. I don't need rest, God. I don't need rest, and, and God's like, "You're an idiot." How many know God wants you to rest? How many have ever came to church drained and 
man, I just go through the motions. I don't feel like it, or you don't want to help anybody. You don't want to do anything. Yeah. And uh, how many have ever came to church and man, you slept good. You rest. Maybe you came off a of vacation. You're like, man, I have the energy to do things. And see, that's where God wants us. He wants us charged up for the new day, right? In fact, imagine it this way. How many know the Bible uses the term staying full of the Holy Spirit? And that battery in your phone is, the battery has no power whatsoever. How many know that? The battery is just something that holds power. Okay, the power has to come from the outlet. You have to find one of those outlets, plug it in, or a car charger, plug it in, plug the cord in. How many of though that generates power in the battery because the battery stores it up? But how many know after 24, 48 hours, whatever device it is, you know and I know we're gonna, that thing's going to lose power. It's going to dissipate. Well, the Bible says we've got to stay full of the Holy Spirit because when we're connected with God, we get full of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says stay full of the Holy Spirit because what happens? It dissipates. And we just start, it drains. And then you say, well, man, I'm going to read my Bible in two weeks. I'm going to listen to Chad talk about the Bible. You know, I'm going to go maybe pray before my meal. How many know we may not be having reserved periods of time where we're actually charging? We're actually building that spiritual power back up again. We're staying dead all the time. And, that, and you're saying, well, man, why, don't, why can't I call him by my phone? Well, it went dead two days ago and you've never plugged it in. You say, well, man, that's so simple. These old people don't understand these phones. But how many know sometimes spiritually we're that, that ignorant? We don't plug into any kind of powerful source. And so we're like, well, man, why am I acting the way I'm acting? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Why am I dragging all the time spiritually? And it's because we're not finding that charging station. And we're not charging ourselves up. Hallelujah. Time goes too fast when I'm preaching. Oh, boy, i got 15 minutes. Man, what a luxury. Awesome. So, <clears throat> some of the things we need to think about to be good at rest. My notes got mixed up, but fortunately I put a backup on my phone every time. Put them in the wrong order. All right, here's some things you need to remember when you're, when you're looking at rest. Number one, it was God's idea. Number two, you got to be good at rest. Some of the things that God wants to do, how many know there are a lot of functions that happen in your body when you're resting? Physically. There's a lot of functions the body goes through and it replenishes a lot of things in your body while you're resting. I think what we see in the physical a lot of times mirrors the spiritual. And so in the spirit, if we're not getting rest spiritually and we're not taking that time to recharge, how many know everything the Holy Spirit puts in you is to be able to deal with the world around you? So when the Holy Spirit, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're accomplishing things for God. You're uh, dealing with that really stubborn coworker, right? You, you got to be full of the Holy Spirit to do that. you got to be full of the Holy Spirit to deal with all the things you're going to deal with while you're working, right? Neighbors, family, problems, crisis, everything you have to deal with. How many know we have to be full of the Holy Spirit, right? And so 
we have to find out how can I stay full of the Holy Spirit? Like how can I, um, in fact, you know, a smart charger has like three stages. It has a stage where it's like a bulk charge. Then it has a stage where it gets up to about 80% and it goes into a different kind of charge. Then when it gets up to 90%, it goes into a different kind of charge. It's like a float charge. And so we've got stages of recharge spiritually. If we don't go through that and we don't recharge and get full of the Holy Spirit, then how many know we're just not ready to function like the Holy Spirit wants us to function, right? And so some of the things that we need to um, think about in our rest, and you say, because here's why I put this in here. Sometimes we say, well, I got my way of resting and other people have their way of resting. My way of resting is, let me say this, I go to a restaurant and I just sit on my phone. That's legitimate. Because high percentage of our society, that's what, how many think that's what they do? Like my relaxation is sitting on my phone. And that is a form of rest. That is a form of being relaxed. It's a form of reading your news. It's a form of watching videos. But the question is, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's something you shouldn't do. But does it accomplish some of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in your life? Is it the most beneficial thing? You know, you may have a period of time you say, well, I'm only going to spend this much time on Facebook or this much time on Instagram or this much time on social media. But here's my question. When you do that kind of rest, do you reconnect with anybody? Like, you could be a father with kids. Or you could have relatives visiting you or whatever. And this is a challenge to all of us. Are we able with the form of rest that we have, is it causing us to reconnect with people? And if it's not causing us to reconnect with people, it might not be a good form of rest. You say, well, what did people used to do before the phones? I mean, no, there are lots of enjoyable things to do with people and rest and relax and try to find a way to reconnect with people that you love and you care about. I mean, how many have ever went to a a restaurant and there's the family and everybody's on the phone? And there's no real connection whatsoever. Another thing is just the interaction. Like, how can you interact if that's the way that we do it? We just can't interact with anybody we're interacting with. In fact, I'll tell you this, sometimes it's not rest because it's stressful. You're reading the news, you're doing this and you're doing that. So so reevaluate. I don't know if Jesus were around today, which is our model, I don't know that he would have been up on that mountain on a cell phone. I mean, do you think he would have been sitting up there and he's like, oh, good, finally the disciples are gone. What's going on on Facebook? Oh, wow. Peter just caught a big catfish. He posted it. You know, Andrew, oh, wow. Andrew caught a bigger one than Peter. Oh, wow. Look at that. You think Jesus was doing that? And had he done that, and you say, well, you can't say that. We've got to make it modern, okay? What would Jesus do in this society? I don't think that that would be the form of rest that he would have had, you know. I think he would have, I think he would have gotten away, spent time with God, spent time in his word. Um, here's a good one. The type of rest that you have, <clears throat> does it cause you to refocus? What do you mean refocus? 
Sometimes when we rest, what do we do? We're thinking about our past. We're thinking about all things that happened in the day. We're thinking about who we're mad about. When God really doesn't want us to do that, God wants us to focus on what He has for the future. How many think that's true? Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, in God of God in Christ Jesus. How I many think that's really important to be able to focus on God? Say, God, all these things have happened in the past. In fact, uh, I hope Peter didn't sit around and focus totally on the fact that he rejected Christ. How I many think he could have sat around for the next couple of years and done nothing but think about? how bad he was in the hour that Christ needed him. The hour that he died, the hour that last hours on earth, his friend of all friends was Peter. And Jesus, it says, when he was getting beaten, looked over at Peter and Peter disappeared. I mean, I think it would be bad if Peter sat around and thought about that all the time. But I think it's better that he gets alone with God and focuses on, hey, what's God want to do with me today? I mean, I think it would have been good for Paul to sit around And think about all the Christians that he beat before he converted to Christ. Like here's the homes that he went into. Here's the Christians he imprisoned. Here's all the things he did. But how many think Peter sat around in in, in solitary places and thought about the past? And some of you, you need rest. But how many know that there are things that drain your battery? There are things that are just detrimental And drain your battery. How many have ever sat around and thought about being bitter? And you felt your battery drain. In fact, my little body battery, if I were to do that, you just see it go from 50 to 45 to 40. And we're like, oh, what's going on, Chad? You're thinking about the past. And so there are things that drain your battery. How many know there are people sometimes that we allow too much control in our life and they drain our battery. How many know there are also people that charge your battery? How many know there are certain times that you feel charged? You know, how about getting a really good day's rest and coming to worship night and getting your battery charged? How about uh, coming to church and having fellowship? How many times have you ever felt charged after men's breakfast? <laughs> Every time you feel charged up and you're like, man, you get to encourage other people. We're all talking about the word together. Prayer meetings, you get charged up. You know, hearing the word of God, you get charged up. Worship, you get charged up. Fellowship with other believers charges you up. How many know this to be true? And, and, and you say, well, man, Chad, I'm worn out. I'm worn out and, and, and I need rest and, and maybe you've got some people that can give you a break. Maybe you're a dad. Maybe you're a mom. Maybe you're you know, a grandparent. Maybe you have a tough work schedule. Maybe you just need some way to charge up. Right? How many of you ever felt that way? Man, I need to get away. I need to charge up. I need to you know, get my battery. My battery's just... How many of you ever felt that? My battery's just not functioning right now. You need to charge up. But how many know we also need to be sensitive of everybody else around us? You don't want to charge up and not be courteous and say, how can you charge up? Like, I'm charged up, but I want to make sure you're charged up too. How many think that's important? That we're our brother's keeper. That we're saying, hey, you know, you look worn out. 
You look tired. We all need to have a time to charge. How many know that? And it can't just be about us. Also, we've got to say, hey, how about the person that's living with us every day? You know, what about you? How are you doing? Are you rested? Are you, you know, doing, you know. And so it's something we've got to really watch. Because how many know people all around us could be worn out and exhausted? And nobody's there to help anybody. Nobody's there able to charge batteries. Uh, some of the things you can do to recharge. Um, number one, I can't think of a better thing than the Word of God. Amen? Deuteronomy says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Physically, if you don't eat, you become malnutrition, right? Energy levels get really low. How many know a lot of people's energy levels because of what they eat and drink, right? None of us in here, I'm sure. I'm just speaking to them out there, right? But how many know what you eat or drink will affect your energy level? If you eat nothing at all, you're called malnutrition, right? How many know spiritually... Sometimes we're eating the wrong things, and sometimes we're just flat-out malnutrition. We're not able to accomplish what God wants because we're not taking care of ourselves spiritually, physically even. But the Bible says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's very important one way that we charge is to read the Word of God and learn to understand it. You know, a really good devotional, if you don't have a good devotional, um, all, you know, I can direct you to places, you know, all kinds of apps. How many have an app that you use as a devotional? And that app will take you through the whole Bible and it'll give you a devotional, they'll have videos with them, they'll have, um, in fact, one real good way is go to Right Now, what's it called? Right Now Media, we can get you on there for free. And you'll have Bible devotionals to go through. There's several apps that I can give you to take you through that. How many have ever been recharged by having a time every day to study a devotional? That's a really good one that recharges. Uh, Number two, have a prayer life. Prayer life does not mean that when I'm in trouble. Now, where does my help come from? The Bible says it comes from the Lord. But how many know that's not a prayer life? Jesus didn't say, oh, no, man, I better go find me a mountain because uh, they're coming after me. No, it was his regular custom. It was his regular thing was to be away and be with the Father. That was his normal behavior was to be with the Father. And so a prayer life isn't because I'm in trouble. I'm going there because there's not a single day. um, There's not a single day that we can live and do what God's called us to do unless we have a prayer life. Um, Samuel says, no one will succeed by strength alone. Did you figure that out yet? You know, life is a schoolmaster. Sometimes it takes a while to figure that out because when you're young, you say, my strength alone, I'll do it. But the Bible says, no one will succeed by strength alone. The Bible says, but by my, by my spirit, says the Lord God. Hallelujah. No king, this is Psalm 33, no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any of you with its great strength. That comes from God himself. 
How many know that? One of the things we need to do is we need to uh, stop being arrogant. If we don't have a prayer life, I know this is hard to hear. I'm not very popular. And if we had a pile of rocks, I probably would get a few of them thrown at me. But how many know if we don't have a prayer life, we're just being arrogant? We're saying that I can do it without God. I'm able to do it on my own. I'm so smart. I'm so wise. Uh, I know exactly how to navigate this day. And um, that's that's arrogance on our part. 1 Corinthians 10 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation is overtaking you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. With the temptation, He will make a way of escape um, that you may be able to bear it. So I like that first part. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands. Are you that person that thinks he stands? Let him who thinks he stands beware lest you fall. How many know we are not going to stand except by grace alone? We need a prayer life. That's a big recharge right there. In fact, I would say that's the two prongs right there. You know, you plug that in, you got those prongs there, it makes a circuit. That's it right there, the Word of God and prayer. Word of God and prayer. Holy Spirit is charging me up. I'm getting full of the Holy Spirit. He's going to help me accomplish that day. You say, well, man, that's going to be good for two weeks from now. Mm, You better get charged again. You better charge the next day and the next day and don't go too long. We'll be, you know, today we don't go too far away from our charger cord, right? And so it's like that. Oh boy. Burned up 15 minutes. Uh, how, how many know worship and thanksgiving? Spending time in God's presence and uh, thanking God for everything you have. You say, but Chad, how am I going to do that? I've got so many hours in the day telling him how bad things are for me. How terrible my life is, how life is, how terrible my neighbors are, how terrible my job is, how terrible everything is. We'll reverse that because that's going to drag that battery life down. Start thanking God for the things you do have. Start praising God and worshiping God and Telling God, you know, how much you love Him and, and you'll find that that will recharge your battery, whereas the other one will negatively pull you down. Four, how many people pray in the Spirit? Jude says praying in the Spirit, uh, builds you up in the most holy faith. How many pray every day? Like, like you say, well, man, that's hard to do, but when you get in your car, what's the first thing you do? A lot of people. I am going to plug my phone in, my charging station in my car. Some of you say, ah, not me, not me. Some of you know you're guilty. It's like one of the first things you do. First thing I do, plug my phone in to make sure I got that charge, right? How many know you can be charging your spiritual battery while you're driving? You can be worshiping God, and I can't tell you how much I pray in the Spirit. That means speaking in tongues. I pray constantly to the point I don't even realize it. And how many know that's building you up in the most holy faith? 
praying in the Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, how many know that is when the overflow of the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and it fills you to overflowing? You operate in the gifts of the Spirit. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to get here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays in Henderson, Thursdays here, and we will pray through the laying on of hands. And I want to see everybody in here filled with the Holy Spirit. Because how many know that is the ultimate charge? That's like the fast charger. Okay, sometimes you plug your your charger and it says slow charge. Like, oh my goodness, it's going to take 13 hours? How many have ever seen that on a phone? Slow charge, what does that mean? How did that happen? How many know we're in a slow charge unless we get baptized in the Holy Spirit? We get full of the Holy Spirit, that's the quick charge. That's the one you want. That's like, oh wow, 30 seconds, I'm full. That's what I want. How many know we need to get full of the Holy Spirit? And while I'm going to work, i got a long commute, which is a good thing. I got 45 minutes no matter where I go. And so if you're praying in the Spirit, you know, I walk around dust mop floors at, at, at Walmart. Guess what I'm doing while I'm dust mopping the floors usually? Listen to worship music, praying in the Spirit. I mean, you know, you can recharge all during the day. Some of you people, your, your cell phone's never less than 90%. Because you always got that thing on a charger somewhere. You got a charger in your recliner. You got a charger in your car. You got a charger everywhere. And how many know that's how the Holy Spirit is? Like, I'm staying charged by praying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So reading the Word, having a prayer life, praying in the Spirit, um, finding times just to be with God. Say, well, I'm good enough. I do it on the way to work. I do it before a meal. I do it before bed. I mean, no, sometimes it's good just to get away. Get another environment and, and just spend time with the Lord and spend time relaxing and um, attending church. I mean, no, that's a plug-in right there. Go and relax, soak it in, you know, really re- try to relax in God's presence. Sometimes you might even fall asleep in the sanctuary if I go past 1230. That's real restful. Find believers who actually, um, who, who actually charge you up. I mean, no, some people will charge you up with positive energy concerning the Lord, and some people will drag you down. And so it's important in your life to have fellowship with people who will charge you. Like, man, every time I'm around them, I feel like I can win. I feel like I can accomplish it through the Lord. And the last one. Well, I actually had that in two different points. One was find people that are strong believers, and the last one was stay away from people that are dead. In fact, I like this scripture. I'm going to close with this scripture if you'd stand to your feet. Worship team, hallelujah. Listen to this. This is the church at Sardis in the book of Revelation. He tells John, write this letter to the angel in the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and seven stars. I know all the things that you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Hmm. How many know that um, we can deceive ourselves and think that we're alive? We can say, man, I'm alive, I'm vibrant, I'm on fire for God. Jesus said, I can see all the things that you're doing. 
And he said, I know that you think you're alive, but you're dead. And how many know that sometimes circumstances, events, trials, things of this world, busyness, just all the things we have to deal with, sometimes we think we're alive and functioning at a high level for God. How many know this to be true? I do. But actually we're spiritually dead or dying because our battery is not charged up. And he says this advice. Here's his advice to that church. Now wake up. Strengthen what little bit remains for even what is left is at the point of dying. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. It's a New Living Translation. Do you hear he says their faith wasn't dead? He just said it's dying. Right now, spiritually, you could be on that last 5%. Where things start shutting down and you're like, man, if I don't make that phone call real quick, I have no communication. You know, if I don't do this action real quick, that action won't get done. And I'll be cut off. And so spiritually, we don't want to live in the 5%. Living in the 5% is not functional. We want to live in the 95, the 100. You ever had 100 on your battery and your phone? You're like, man, I'm good. Man, I'm good all day long, man. I got a little charger that if I, if I get below, then I can plug it into that, that portable charger. I got a plug in and a charger in every room. Spiritually, that's what we want to be. We want to be charged up, and every day we want to have a systematic way to say, I'm charging every day. You say, well, Chad, I'm busy, man. i got to get up early. i got to go to work. got to do all this at work. got to do all these things all day. Then maybe I'll have time to charge. What God's saying is there's nothing more important. If Jesus can get up while it's still dark, and he feels the need to find a place to get alone with God, how much more important is it for us? And I'm telling you, we're like the church of Sardis. We're functioning and we're almost dying. And we just need charged. You say, well, I need to be stronger. I told you it's not your strength. It's not the strength of men. It's not the strength of horses. It's not the strength of chariots. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And we wonder why we're ineffective. We wonder why we're not seeing God do mighty things in our midst. And it's because we don't have the power. We're not charged. God's saying today, repent of that. Repent of that. And you say, well, you're going to beg me to come up? No, I'm going to say, this altar's been empty for about a year and a half. That's one of the reasons we're not charging up. I mean, the laying on of hands charges you up. Laying on of hands charges you up, and you say, well, man, that's old-fashioned. We don't go to the altar anymore. We We don't receive the laying on of hands anymore. We don't get full of the Holy Spirit anymore. We don't spend long periods of time in God's presence. We use microwaves now. They're faster. You know, we got to plug in to the power that God has given us through the Holy Spirit. And we got to make that the number one priority in our life. Be charged with the Holy Spirit and now take on your day. Seize that day. The power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There's a place of thought here. I'd love to pray for you.
spring. The Bible says that they who know their God will do mighty exploits. Those who know their God will accomplish amazing things, is what that's saying. How many read the Bible and see all the miraculous things that God was able to do through normal people? And the Bible is telling us that those who know their God will do many exploits. How many want to see many exploits done in our community? First and foremost, we got to know our God. We got to know His voice. We got to know the Holy Spirit. We got to make Him the number one priority of our day. The most precious time of the day is the time we spent with our Father. We got to know our God. And you say, well, how do you do a mighty exploit? God will speak to you, and you will do what your God says to do. How did Jesus do all the things that He did? he always pulled himself away and spent time with the Father. And the Father would say, do this. And Jesus said, I'm only doing what my Father tells me to do. So if you want to do a mighty exploit in your family, you want to do a mighty exploit in your life, you want to do something great for God, we've got to hear from Him. We've got to know Him. We've got to know His voice. We've got to know when He says, do it. Hallelujah. How many want that more than anything in your life? How many think that we have a nation whose battery is dead? And boy, we need some life. We need some life in this nation. We need some life in people whose batteries are charged up and ready to roll. Right? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Father, I pray that there would be a spark, Lord God. There would be embers, Lord God, that would be stirred. And that gift within each person would be stirred up. Father, and it would be a fire, Lord God. It would be a blazing fire, Lord God. Where one, Lord God, would catch the next and the next and the next, Lord God. Father, set this church, set these individuals, set this city ablaze, Lord God. With people that are charged by the presence of God. Lord, that they would do mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. In your name I pray. And everybody said... I'm going to dismiss in a word of prayer. They were confused whether I just dismissed or not. Hallelujah. So uh, stand with me. We'll close. Heavenly Father, right now, as your people go, Father, I pray your anointing upon them, Lord. Father, I thank you so much for this church, Lord. Father, so so many that are faithful. And Father, we, uh, we don't want to just be faithful, Lord God. We want to be on fire. So, Father, I just pray that these words that you have given me to deliver would resonate and that we would be the exception to those that are around us, Lord God, those who are dead spiritually. Let us bring life, Lord. Uh, You said in the last days we would shine like a bright light on a dark night. And, Father, I pray that upon this church, Lord, in the name of Jesus, everybody said amen.
Father God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that when we were still sinners, you found us worth dying for. You went to that cross knowing all that we would do and all that we have done, Lord, and you you died so we can be one with you. And Lord, we do this in remembrance of that moment, God. That you were the ultimate sacrifice. You were the one who paid the way for us to be one with you again and that you gave us the hope for everlasting life and we are grateful and we are so thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Therefore, see, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I pray over this cup. Lord, this cup symbolizes so much to us, Lord. Lord, today I would like to focus on condemnation. You said, now there is therefore no condemnation. Lord, it's because of your blood, Lord. So I pray right now that these believers that are here would not look backwards at the things that you have forgiven us. Lord, but would look forward, Lord, and would reach for the goal, Lord God, the high calling of, in Christ Jesus. And the Lord, they would... Um, run as to win the race, Lord God. Not looking back, Lord. Lord, right now I pray against any condemnation as we drink this cup, Lord God. We know that your blessing is upon it, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, now I bless them, Lord. Lord, we send them forth, Lord God, with your anointing, Lord God, and charged with the mission, Lord. I pray that you accomplish it in them this week. Do a mighty work and charge them up in your presence, Lord. In your name we pray and everybody said, Amen.